0: All right. So the last two Sundays that I've been here, I've been talking to you about creating a time and a place to meet with God every day. Because on Friday before New Year's Eve, the Lord spoke to me and told me that's his word, his instruction for every individual in our church that, that we need to create what in the Old Testament was called the tent of meeting, where Moses would go and commune with God. And Jesus in the New Testament calls it our prayer closet. And so we've been talking about that, about how to the practicalities of doing it and, and the spiritual nature of it. We're going to continue on in that this morning, and we're going to start again today in Matthew 6.6. 6. We've looked at this the last two Sundays. In Matthew 6, six, Jesus said, When you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who dwells in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So in the new covenant new testament christianity we don't have to go to a temple and go through rituals in order to get holy so that we can worship god we carry the spirit of god in our very bodies those of us who are saved and if you're not we would love to introduce you to jesus this morning but uh we don't have to go to some special place we just carry jesus with us everywhere we go and we can talk to god anytime and anywhere and any place about anything But Jesus says here it's important that we have a regular private place where we can go into a room and shut the door and it's just you and God by yourself away from the rest of the world. When Moses put his tent of meeting up in Exodus, it says three times. It was outside the camp, away from everybody else. It's so important that you individually have your private time with God. There's a time for group Bible studies and there's a time for group prayer and Sunday morning meetings and so on, but every individual one of us must know the Lord. But what I want to draw out this morning is Jesus says that God lives in the secret place. He says, when you shut your door and you talk to God who lives in the secret place, then he will hear you and see you. When Jesus used that word, the secret place, his listeners the people who were there when he was preaching the Sermon on the Mount who knew the Aramaic language they would have known some of their scripture from the Old Testament that this word the secret place is used nine times in the Old Testament probably the most famous one is Psalm 91 1 he who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty nine times this word is used in the in the Old Testament and Five of them are about the place where God lives, that He lives in the secret place. And the next slide shows you the word that is in the Old Testament. There it is in Hebrew characters and in our Phoenician alphabet. It's pronounced Sather. And the Sather gets translated in our Bibles the secret place, the hiding place, or the hidden place. And it's important that we understand it's both. It is both the place where we hide or where God hides but the place itself is hidden It's the place itself is a secret it's not just that we're hidden when we're there or that God is hidden where he lives but the place itself is hidden it can mean covered place or disguised place a really eastern Oregon way of saying it is the camouflaged place <laughs> it's the private place it's a protected shelter so When Jesus tells his audience at the Sermon on the Mount, God dwells in the secret place, they would have known some of these references in the Old Testament about the secret place of the Most High, the secret place of the Almighty. And I want to talk to you about that this morning, that Jesus said that's where God lives. So there is a place that hides God, but it is a hidden place where God lives. It's both at the same time. And the difficult thing about a secret place is that it's secret. The difficult thing about a hidden place is that it's hidden. Every private club has a secret knock. And a disguised place is camouflaged and it's not easy to find. So the first thing I want to tell you this morning is that as we're talking these three Sundays now about meeting with God, having your own private meeting time with God... I need you to know that God dwells in a secret place, the secret place, and it is hidden. And it has to be found. It has to be discovered. And there is no map. 400 times in the Old Testament alone, we're told to seek God. And God promises, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me but he gives us no map. There's not a five-step bulletin point on how to pray and commune with God. You sit down with your guitar and if you play these three songs in this order, the Holy Spirit will come. I mean, it's just, there is no method to meeting with God. It is intensely private and personal, individual, intimate, It is a secret place and each individual person, you have to find it yourself. I can't tell you how I go because I don't even know how I get there. And all of you who've been there, you know. You don't know how you ended up there. You just started crying and telling God you loved him and all of a sudden you were there. But the more often you go, you do sort of wear a path between your daily life and the secret place. For those of you who would know such a thing, it's kind of like in the Lord of the Rings where Aragon knows which tree to go behind and all of a sudden he's in Rivendell. It is a secret and it's hidden, but you can learn the path. What I just need to know ahead of time, as I'm talking to you about building your tent of meeting with the Lord, what Jesus calls our prayer closet, that it will take some intentional searching on your part to find him. It isn't automatic at all. It isn't easy, it isn't convenient, and it doesn't happen by happenstance. Each one of us must seek God on our own. He is not hiding from you, he is hiding for you. He is hiding so that you can find him, and he promises, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. He's not wanting to not be found, he wants to be found. It is actually for our safety and blessing that he who is a consuming fire hides. If he manifested in the open, everything would burn up in our unholiness. But the seeking is the process of becoming holy so that we can stand his presence. This secret place where God dwells is in our own soul. It's right here in our own chest. But where is that? It is the process of learning who God is and where he's at, but it's also learning who I am and where I'm at. What's going on in me? And that's, that's seeking God. So the difficult thing about the secret place is that it's secret, that it's hidden. But the good thing about the secret place is that it's secret. That it is intensely personal and intimate and private. And when you find it, you are literally alone with God in all the universe. You are alone with God. When you're there, you're hidden from all the other people and circumstances and troubles. And you have God all to yourself. And he has you all to himself. And it is beautiful. It is amazing and still shocking to me how worried I can be about things. But when I get intentionally alone with God and I focus my attention on him, either in a song or in scripture or prayer, I don't get there every day. I'm still seeking it out myself. But way more often than at any other previous point in my life, I can arrive at the secret place. And sometimes it's 20 seconds and I lose it. And other times I can be there for a long time where the world literally just melts away and nothing else matters. All the crazy people and circumstances are still out there, <laughs> but I am in the secret place. And David said, that's where I want to live. And if you've been there, the only thing you think about is going back. Like that's, that's literally all I want now is if you've been there, you will know I have to go back. I have to find God again and I have to become one with him. Not in a rejection of the world or laziness of serving people, but just this is the place where there's peace. This is where there's joy. This is where there's love. This is where I am known and and I know him. So the good thing about the secret place is that it's totally secret and it is the sweetest And most exhilarating communion there is to be known completely by your father and have the honor of knowing him and finding him. It is the most private place in the universe. I would direct your attention later to the quote that I put in your bulletin. The insert paper is a quote from George Matheson who's like 150 years ago wrote about having God all to yourself, getting alone in solitude like Jesus did and and having God alone. But it is impossible to describe in words the secret place. I told you a couple Sundays ago, Ken Foster said, there, there are no words to describe. And he's right. If I tried to tell you what goes on with me when I'm there, it would make no sense. Not only because there are no accurate words, but because what, mean, what is so meaningful and my core won't mean anything to you. And because our spirits don't speak English. It's why you can know things and feel things that you can't put into words. You can experience things that are just, you can't tell your best friend. I I just can't share it because it's mine and God alone. The last two Sundays have been very difficult for me. This one is even more difficult, not only because it's just impossible to put into words, I can't share it with you. I can't impart it to you. I can't train you or teach you how to do it. But also because it's so intensely private and it's the most meaningful thing. And Jesus says it happens behind closed doors and and only in good and holy ways. I mean, I'm not talking about sin, but in good and holy ways, there are things that happen behind private closed doors that you don't talk about in public. And it's the same with God. And so I'm struggling. I, I want every one of you to know God yourself, to not have anything to do with religion or following a church or a person or a formula. I so badly want you to know God yourself, but I can't give you a map. But Jesus gave us the simplest instruction it is not easy but it is the most simple thing in the world he said go into a room shut the door and pray and God who lives in the secret place is with you there it is it's not a map but it is a one sentence instruction get alone and talk to God and keep doing that until you find it. It really is that simple. I don't mean it's easy, but it's it really is that simple. What happens there, it, it is the sweetest and most exciting thing ever. But like I said, it's it's really impossible to describe and really can't be and shouldn't be. C.S. Lewis he said, I, I feel I am almost committing an indecency. Like it's indecent to talk about what goes on in private with your soul and God. Not that it's wrong in cases to tell what God has taught you and what you've learned and what you've experienced, but every one of us should have deeply moving experiences that are just so personal, you just don't want to share them. And that's perfectly fine, it's good. And C.S. Lewis said, it's indecent to talk about what goes on in my private heart with God. And now I'm gonna show you a clip of a video, just like three minutes or something. This is Martin Smith interviewing Brooke Ligertwood. So if you don't know those names, Martin Smith is the leader of the band Delirious, which you may or may not have heard of, but you know their songs because Ted leads a bunch of them over time here at the church. And in the late 80s and early 90s, they were filling stadiums all over the English speaking world. Um, And then he's interviewing Brooke Ligertwood, who is one of the, she's the worship leader of Hillsong. And um, she's got to be top three most famous worship leaders in the world right now. This woman by herself could fill stadiums anywhere in the globe. And she's been doing it for 20 years. And this is her telling about how violating it is to lead worship in front of people. Because it's so private. And she's specifically telling, if you know the name Darlene Check, um, how Darlene, as when she was an, a teenager, she was already a national pop star on the radio in Australia and New Zealand. She had radio hits, not here in America, but there. She was a professional musician, a performer on stage. Darlene Check at Hillsong invites her to come and lead worship. And, and C.S. Lewis says it's an indecency. Brooke uses a much more colorful description. Don't be offended by it. It's just, it's her telling her how exposing it was to, as a professional musician who performs every day to worship God in front of people because that's the secret place. And it's not wrong. It's just her and God. So here's Brooke.
1: Making, you know, mainstream music. And so, um, I started, you know, obviously coming along to the church and would serve however I needed. I mean I remember the first women's conference. I volunteered cleaning um encouraging lipstick messages off mirrors <laughs> in the girls' bathrooms. Yeah. and but Dalles embraced me with so much warmth. And I remember the first team night that I came to, and her just kind of picking me out of the crowd and and prophesying over me. And she just brought me in, and she um and she asked me if I, uh, would uh, lead if i remember correctly wow. and i was like I, I don't really do that like yeah, I, I don't know how to I do don't, that, like... i know how to lead myself in my bedroom yeah. um and i obviously i sing on a stage all the time but but singing is not worship leading mm. i i i was warring enough in my room in the spiritual to understand that these were not the same thing yeah. and also that that was a part of my relationship with god that i had not put on the stage Mm. um and that felt strange to me that the concept of that still does to be honest yeah um but you are brilliant at that and and i and i would imagine you grew into that right i say that to say i remember the first time i led and um i felt like i not to be graphic um but I really did feel like I'd showed my boobs to everybody. It right. felt that vulnerable, but also that almost violating in a way. And I went home and I cried and I cried and I cried because this was this part of my relationship with the Lord and expressing my affection to Him and singing to Him had only ever been ours. And I could cry now talking about it because I still feel that way. It's still that sacred to me. Um, and it's not a performance and it's not for... Um, People from it's I and so now when I'm leading I I I want to obviously use it to serve the people in the room, but it has to always first and foremost be be his. Yeah. And so um, I would say I I have grown into the um, the appreciation of the sacredness of being able to serve people in this way, um, but I have to I have to keep it in a place in my heart. Where it's a sacrifice, mm. otherwise, um, I've missed. I've missed it, and and it belongs to him first and foremost in it, and it has to. Otherwise, like, what are we even talking about? Yeah, yeah.
0: When I speak of the secret place, it is very difficult <laughs> to put into words, and I don't want to share my time with God with you. I. <laughs> told stories for years, um, but really, I'm a really private person, and it, there are things I've never told anybody, um, and some I have because the Lord's directed me to and because I thought it would be useful, but, but when C.S. Lewis says it's indecent to talk about it, it, it can be her word was violating, and it can take away from the sacredness of it. To share it with other people, which is why Jesus said, go into your room and shut your door. And again, there's a time and a place for group Bible study. There's a time and a place for group prayer. But it is just so vitally important that every one of us have our own connection with God every day. So I can't give you a formula. I can't train it. You just have to seek God. In the way that Jesus said, get alone, leave your phone in this room, go in this room and shut the door and, and pray, talk to God, sing, read the Bible, whatever you need to do that day, just find God and you will. He promises you will. But there are of the nine references to the secret place in the Old Testament, I just picked three this morning that I want to read to you what God says is there and what happens. And so we're going to start in Psalm 27. This is verses 4 and 5 and 7 through 10. One thing I have desired of the Lord and that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all my days, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me, and he shall set me high upon a rock. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice and have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me or forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. David says, one thing, one thing is all I desire, that I may live in the house of the Lord, all the days of my life. And where does God live? Where's God's house? It's the secret place to behold the beauty of the Lord in his temple. It's where we see God's beauty. It's where his beauty is hidden is in his temple where he lives, which is the secret place for in the time of trouble, he will hide me there. See the word hide. It's a hidden place where I am hidden in his pavilion. So pavilion just means a big tent. The closest thing we've got for that is our great big white wedding tents in our world today. Those are pavilions. But hide me in this pavilion in the secret place of his tabernacle. The tabernacle is just an Old Testament word for tent, where the tent where God lived. He will hide me. Where's God hiding us? He's hiding us under a tent that is his house, that is his presence. But then David says it's a rock. He set me high upon a rock. While the world shakes, I won't be shaken. But we have to answer his call. When God says, seek me, David said, my heart said, yes, Lord, I will seek you. There's where we find the secret place is in seeking. Psalm 31, verses 1 to 3 and 19 to 21. In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness and bow down your ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be my rock of refuge, a fortress of defense to save me. See the terms about salvation, fortress, refuge. This is where God protects us. You are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. How great is your goodness which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. You shall hide them in the secret place of your presence. What is this fortress, this rock, this wall that God surrounds us with and protects us with, it's his presence. If You remember back in the very beginning of the summer, I talked to you about God's high tower is his name, it's his feather, it's his arm, it's his wing. He hides us in the secret place of his presence. It is a, it is a hidden place, but it is the place where he hides us. God puts his arm around you. He puts his wing around you and you're separated. He separates you from the world. And yes, all the crazy people and the circumstances and, and all the things that are out in the world, they're there. But in here, I'm protected from the plots of men and you shall keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has shown me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. And Psalm 91, verses 1 to 10. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. If you're in somebody's shadow, you're mighty close. Hello? Yeah. The secret place is right where God is. And if you're in the secret place, you will be in his shadow. If you are in the shadow, you're in the secret place. This Psalm says if you, li- you can live there. You can live in the secret place. What is it that covers us? What's this refuge, this fortress that surrounds us? It's, it's the shadow of God. God, I'd a lot rather have a wall of rock between me and the world, a nice wall of money to pay all my bills. I'd like to have assurance that I'm not gonna be in pain and sick. I'd like to have a tangible, real world fortress, God. I want guns and ammo. I want gold. No, God says, I'm just gonna cover you with my shadow. And that is more than enough. That is more than enough. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. There it is. The shadow of God is my fort. Those two things do not go together. Shadows don't stop arrows unless it's God's shadow. My God, in, whom, in him I will trust. Surely I, he shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers. Under his wing, will, you will take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler, and you shall not be afraid of the terror by night or the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness and the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. So we see in these three Psalms that the secret place is a haven. It's a stronghold, it's a high tower, it's a shelter, it's a fort between us and the world. It's a protected, camouflaged place where I am hidden from hell and the world. But we also see that the place itself is hidden. So if I haven't gone there before, I won't find it in an emergency. It is vitally important that you know where the secret place is in everyday life so that you can go there in three seconds in the hospital hallway at the attorney's office. When your child's having terrible trouble, you can go Quickly, because you have a worn path in here between daily life and the secret place. It can go instantly when the car wreck happens or the financial disaster happens or the political garbage, all the stuff. You can get there quickly and know what God would say instead of panic. It's vitally important that you know where it is. And you only find that by seeking. And you only do that by getting in your room and shutting the door and praying. So some practicalities. I'm trying to make this spiritual, to inspire you and nudge you, but also super practical. Everyday life, how do I... Build a secret place. How do I build a prayer closet or a tent of meeting? And I want to draw your attention to the quote in your bulletin from Hudson Taylor, missionary to China over hundred years ago. He said, whatever is the best time of the day, give that in communion to God. So if you are one that you regularly have your quiet time in the morning with God, great. If that's working for you, keep doing it. But a whole bunch of you feel guilty because mornings are not your thing. You, hit, you and your snooze button have a great relationship and you speed to work every morning to get there five minutes late. Uh, so whatever your best time of day, give your very best to God. So the, it is biblical to worship the Lord in the morning. It's totally biblical, but it's also biblical to worship him in the middle of the day and at sunset and in the middle of the night. All of those times are mentioned in scripture about when to worship God. So most nights, Not every night, but way more than half of the nights, I'm up between one and four or five. Sometimes it's only for half an hour. Other times it might be two or three hours I'm awake. And I spend that time praying. The house is dark. I just sit in the recliner in the living room next to the fire and and just talk to God. And then when I come to the church, I'm in my office and I, I have time with the Lord every day. Also, I told you My pickup is one of my holy places. It is my meeting place with God. I get in and I drive and I leave the world behind and I put on some music and I just let God have it all. The the laughter and the fun and the tears and the anger and just just whatever I need to give him that day, whatever it is, I just give it to him. There is no formula. There is no, you have to do it this way. Um, Just give him your best. Give him your best. If you notice that at night um, you have a hard time staying awake, then don't pray. Then (laughs) figure something else out. But make a place. Jesus used the word prayer closet, and some people do that. If you know um, who Todd White is, he literally uses the back half of his walk-in closet. Um, He's cleaned it out, put a chair and a lamp in there and a table, and he's got his Bible and his music and and his guitar or whatever, and, and he just he spends two and a half hours first thing every morning in the back of his walk-in closet talking with God. Brian Guerin, if you know that name, he does the same thing. But whatever works in your house, our closet is barely wide enough to hold hangers, much less walk into. <laughs> whatever works for you, wherever you can go in your schedule with your kids at whatever age they are, and, but make a place, make a time, leave your phone away, leave your phone away take a notebook and a pen with you besides whatever music or your Bible. Because I know from my own experience and everybody else saying that the devil will do his absolute best to interrupt you. If you're going to get serious about spending daily time with God, the house is going to burn down every time you try to start. I mean, it just, who knows? I mean, it's just crazy what what comes up and what comes to mind. And the dog starts barking and the kids start crying and I just, I just tell this ahead of time, not as, not to scare you or, but just, I know it's frustrating and I know it's distracting and you feel like you're not getting anything accomplished. I just want to set you at ease and say, just roll with it. Just roll with it. Just you and God meet how you can with your life and what you've got going on. Take a notebook and paper. I've heard this from numerous preachers, most lately, Bill Johnson. He said, um, as soon as I start to pray, my to-do list will come to my mind. And I'll think of these three or eight things that I have to do right now. He's like, so I got my notebook and pad there. And it's like, thank you devil for reminding me of what I need to do. I'm going to write this down and I will get to this in half an hour after I talk with Jesus. And so you don't have to get all frantic and bothered and, oh, I have to go do this right now. And yeah, all right, I'll write this down and we'll get to that later. I'm giving time to Jesus. And you don't need to feel guilty about your mind doing that and You know, so I said that first service and Sarah said, she said, I I actually have that happen, but I don't think it's the devil. She said, I think it's God. I think my mind is getting quiet when I get in my place of prayer. And all of a sudden he's telling me, reminding me of things that I need to do that I had forgotten. And I'm like, yeah, could be, could be God. Still write it down. And then thank you, Lord. I know that the spirit has told me things that I'm like, oh, thank you. I totally would have forgotten to pay that bill or take care of that business or whatever. And so sometimes it's God, sometimes it is the devil because it's a frantic distraction. It's like, oh, I got to go do this right now. I, no, I don't. No, I gave this time to Jesus and I'm going to sit here and make it happen. I say pen and paper because you, please do not take your phone. Do your, it should be wholly separate from your phone. Even if you're one that takes all your notes on your phone, just it, our phones are way too, too unholy. We, by our culture and the technology that we have, the speed that our cars drive, and all the way that we live, we are the most impatient and instantly gratified culture in world history. And so that's a big problem, but I bring it up not to discourage or condemn anybody. I'm saying we are fighting in our own minds and bodies. We are fighting impatience and ADHD that nobody else in human history has had to fight. So I tell you this, when you set your mind to, I'm going to have, I'm going to make a daily time and place to meet with God. Do not bite off more than you can chew. If you are someone who has always been really disciplined and regular about it, keep doing what you're doing. But if you are the one who has felt guilty about it for years or decades, and it's never been real regular. Or happened, and we're talking about disciplining ourselves and doing this on purpose. And um, nobody ever did anything great without starting small. You don't start. A, you don't go run a marathon by running a marathon. You run a marathon by running a 5K, and you run a 5K by running three laps. You know, at the high school track or whatever. Run around your block once. So if you, have, if you have trouble sitting still, quiet, alone, without your phone for three minutes, then sit for three minutes, praise God. And don't feel guilty about it. Just make sure that tomorrow is better than today and the next day is better than that. Just keep pushing your edge. That's how anything is accomplished in sports or fitness or business or anything. It's just keep pushing that edge a little bit. Don't take off don't like, I'm gonna read the Bible in a year. That's like seven chapters a day. I don't want to do that. If that works for you, great, fantastic. David Hogan reads 50 chapters a day. I'm like, wow, okay, I'm not gonna feel guilty that I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, but I read multiple chapters and I read two devotionals and I sing and I pray, and it's it's a whole package deal, but um Don't feel guilty and don't compare yourself to anybody else. If you are so restless, that five concentrated, calm, peaceful moments, reading half a Psalm is all you can manage. Great, do it, praise God. And then the next day, push that. Like, oh, I'm feeling like I wanna get up. I'm gonna make myself sit here another minute. And I'm going to keep reading another five verses. And you will get to the point where it will, your body and your mind will learn. It's not anything to feel condemned about, it's just something we have to force to happen. Your body and your mind have to be overcome. Don't feel ashamed of it, just keep pushing that edge. Keep pushing that edge. Keep seeking, and you will find you will find. Don't get discouraged. You will find him. Satan will find every way to discourage you. This isn't going to work. God doesn't love you. You're not as holy as so-and-so. Your kids are going to distract you. The dog's going to distract you. Your to-do list or who knows, all kinds of stuff will keep coming up to force you, whether you haven't done this at all before and you're trying to start or whether you have been sort of regular about it, but you're going to get more regular about it, just keep pushing that edge. I promise you, you will find him. I promise you. Don't give up. Don't listen to the lie that it's too hard or that God doesn't want to talk to you. I told you Harvest had a great day on Wednesday. She got blasted by the Holy Spirit in class and she said the first thing she heard God say was, I hear you. She's 18 years old and she's crying to her dad saying, all my life I have felt like God didn't hear my prayers because I've never heard him. And she said, I heard him. And he said, I hear you. And she said, all my life, my mind and my heart have been like a cluttery bedroom and god just came in and cleaned the whole room and put everything in order she wept for hours and it was beautiful and wonderful and i promise you he hears you keep seeking you will find thank you father for your invitation to the secret place your invitation into the most holy of holies Thank you for your promise that as we seek, we will find, when we seek with all our heart. So Lord, I bless every person in this room. I pray, Lord, that you would, by your spirit, give them creative ideas and discipline and instruction and your leading and your drawing, even your wooing, Lord, to make room. We sang, I will make room for you. So we make a room and we make room. Lord, we choose to believe by faith that you will be found by us, that we will find the secret place and we will know you. There will be nothing about religion, nothing about formula. You will know us and we will know you in a perfectly private and personal, relevant way you will meet us and speak to us. So Lord, I pray for your Holy Spirit to move on each individual here. That you keep drawing, keep drawing. Lord, especially for those with small kids, I pray for creative ideas on how to do this. To have secret time with you, Lord. Thank you that you want to know us. Thank you that you want us in communion with you. Thank you for the sweetness of your love, for the power of your salvation, the deepest significance and honor that you bestow upon us, that you would give us an audience with the Creator, that you can be moved by our prayers, that you can be moved by our songs, that you collect our tears, and you cleanse our hearts, you've known our souls in adversity. We are never alone. Lord, I pray that you would call each individual name from your throne. Draw each one of your children to your tabernacle. Lord, forgive us for just being distracted by the world. The world is so loud. There's so much. It's so overwhelming, but it is so completely worthless. It's so totally meaningless the stupid stuff we give our attention to. We turn our back on all of that, Lord, and we turn toward you. And we commit again today to give you our attention and our affection every day to go into the room and shut out the world and meet with our Father who dwells in the secret place.